Um, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we have the privilege of being able to come into your presence and spend time in your precious word. We thank you for what you are going to do this morning and how you're going to challenge us to be whom you have called us to be. We ask your blessing that as your word goes forth, the purpose for which it was sent would be accomplished. And ultimately, at the end of it, Father God, you would receive the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask it in no other name but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn within your Bibles to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 1. This morning I want us to, to spend a few minutes looking at a, a, what I consider an important and a relevant topic today. And the topic is the word integrity. I've been reading a few books on the issue, one I've, I was glimpsing through again last night, and talked about some of the challenges the church is facing regarding the topic of integrity. Individuals that are falling away, pastors that are living lives that are not lives of integrity. Um, you may have heard stories of pastors running away with their secretaries. You've heard stories of individuals running off with the church's funds. Individuals who have not demonstrated the characteristic of the quality of integrity. And one of the things I believe we need to see demonstrated in our lives is that characteristic, that quality, integrity. And I think in the times we presently find ourselves in, I think it's needed more now than ever. The word integrity is defined as being honest and having strong moral principles. One of the definitions I like is consistency and sincerity with no deception or pretense. It's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values or incorruptibility. It's the state of being whole, complete, or undivided. The Hebrew word translated integrity in the Old Testament means the condition of being without blemish, completeness, perfection, sincerity, soundness, uprightness, wholeness. It has that concept of not being diverse, not being separate, being one, being whole, being complete, being consistent. The term suggests that which is whole or complete. It, it's transparent. It's free of duplicity. When you say that you are a person of integrity, what you say is what you do. The term in the Greek is translated in uncorruptness. It's found in Titus chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. And it reads, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Uncorruptness, soundness, genuineness. It is the sense of a godly lifestyle consistent with one's teaching. When someone says that you are a person of integrity, that we as God's people are people of integrity, it means that what we say 
and what we do is consistent. It means that what we believe and what we practice is the same thing. When they hear us speak on an issue, when they hear us talk about who we are and what we believe, then when they watch what we do, there should be no division. There should be one. It should be whole. It should be complete. And we as God's people are called to be people of integrity, of godly character, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the popular decision is, no matter what the vote may be, no matter what the decision may be made, the president may hand down a decision, the prime minister may make a decision, but we as God's people don't govern ourselves by the decisions made in society. We govern ourselves by the standard of God's word. This is what we practice because this is what we preach. And we should practice what we preach. This morning I want to talk about some, some brothers. And ladies, there are examples of women, but I want to talk about some brothers. And when you look at these brothers, sometimes people may feel these, these fellas are extreme cases. They, they are the ones that, that go to the excess. They take, they take what they believe and they live it out. No compromise. No settling a dispute by, by a mutual understanding. See, we, we like that word in society, compromise. But we as believers, when it comes to what we believe, we're not called to compromise. We're not called to lower ourselves to something that is more desirable. Look for that comfortable or sweet spot. Sometimes we would rather compromise. And we must be honest. It's easy to compromise, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy because when you compromise on the job and when the boss asks you to make this decision and you know it's not right, the benefits, the financial benefits can be great. When we compromise, you know, you may get that promotion. If, if you would just, just sign on the dotted line right here, if you just make this statement right here, you know what? You can be the next VP. You can be the one who gets the promotion. You can be the one who gets the raise. And, and maybe I, I want to watch that program because it's comfortable to watch. I really want it. I'm prepared to compromise. It may not be perfect. The language may not be just right. The scenes may not be beautiful. The women may be half naked. But I, I really want it. I'm prepared to compromise because of what I want. Maybe it's a pleasure. Maybe it's a prominence. Maybe it's a control. Maybe it's to be accepted, to be one of the crowd. Maybe it's for the comfort. Because you know what? Being people of integrity can be uncomfortable. Being people of integrity can hurt. It can be painful. But brothers and sisters, that's what we've been called to. We've been called to be people of integrity. Again, Daniel. We look at our story. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1, chapters 1 through 6, tells us a story about Four fellas, four guys. You may know one as Daniel, the rest you know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
We're not going to use those Babylonian names. We're going to know the, remember those names that you know very well. Hananiah, remember him? Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I asked my wife, I wonder why we know the Babylonian names and we haven't memorized the Judean names. Maybe because they're easier. But these guys were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king. He picked the best of the crop and said, I want these guys to be trained to work for me. These guys decided in the first chapter of, Dan of, of the book of Daniel, listen, we're not going to be eating any of the king's food. They took a stand for what they believed. And they took a stand, and it worked out for them. In the following chapter, their friend Daniel had to interpret a dream. When I read that story, you know what it is for a king to call you in and tell you, I'm not even going to tell you what my dream is. I want you to tell me what the dream is, and I want you to tell me the interpretation. And he was going to kill everybody. Daniel told him the dream and gave him the interpretation. That whole book, you know the stories, the fiery furnace. You know the stories, the lion's den. You've heard the stories about Daniel giving the king the interpretation of the dream, and you see these, this image. But what I want to share with you is a favorite story of mine. Daniel chapter 3. The story of the fiery furnace. The king decides he is going to make an image, an image of gold, and you are going to bow down. They've decided that this is what the new thing is going to be in the Bahamas, and when you hear the sound of these instruments, everybody in New Providence is going to bow down to this golden idol. But there are three guys who were taken in captivity from, from Judea, and they decide they are not going to bow. They were told to do something that, as far as they were concerned, was contrary to what they believed. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. They were told to bow down. And this is what the brothers who called them said. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these brothers, they don't have any regard for thee. They, they don't serve our gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Those brothers wouldn't bow. And yet, king, what are you going to do? He says, you know what? Call these guys to me. I want to have a talk with them. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in verse 14, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And I love the answer that these fellows give. They said, King, you know what? You may throw us in the fiery furnace, but I want you to understand something very important. King, be not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. You know what I like about these guys? These men demonstrated integrity in spite of the circumstance, in the middle of the circumstance. 
Imagine someone comes to you and tells you, listen, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace if you don't bow down, if you don't compromise, if you don't give in, if you don't follow the trend, if you don't do what everybody else does. And you say to yourself, no, no, I am not going to bend these knees. I'm not going to bow down to the status quo and do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to stand for what I believe. And then they threaten you. And you tell them, listen, let me explain something to you. This is simple for me, you know. I don't bow down to no other God but my God. And he can deliver me, you know. I know the power he has. But even if he does not deliver me, I am still not going to bow down. You see, sometimes the circumstances are going to come, and we believe that our God can. And at times, he may. But there are circumstances where he may not. And the question is, what if he doesn't choose to deliver you? Will you still stand or will you bow? Is it us being delivered? And in our, in our church today, we love to talk about what our God can do. And yes, he can. He can deliver. But what if he does not take us out of these circumstances? What if things do get worse? What if the referendum doesn't go our way? Will we still stand? What if the government decides to make a decision that is contrary to what we believe? Will we still stand? Will we be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? King, even if our God doesn't deliver us, we are not going to bow. Period. Then we have our friend Daniel in chapter 6. Darius decides, you know what? I got something else. He decides he's going to build his own idol. But Daniel had some friends. Daniel was one of three presidents in Babylon. And he was made the head. Now, now he's a foreigner. Imagine a foreigner being put in charge in the Bahamian government. I mean, some of you are just thinking about now. A foreigner man. He in charge. You know what his brothers decided? We got to deal with this fellow. But Daniel was such a straight shooting fellow that we couldn't even find a cause to get Daniel. They said the only way we're going to get Daniel is in what he believes and his relationship with his God. They had to catch Daniel doing right to get him. I wonder if that's something people can say about us. Imagine something saying of you, Van Rea. The only way we can get her is if we get her with regard to her obeying her God. Because she's a straight shooter all the time. Consistent, cold, sincere, genuine, no pretense. And that's how they caught Daniel. The Bible says that these brothers made an agreement with the king and said, King, nobody can pray to anyone except you. But they knew Daniel was a fellow who prayed three times a day. And I like what the, the text says. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when he heard that they said, no more praying in schools, no more doing this, when he heard that it was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open. I'm not even hiding from y'all. With my windows open, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did 
aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication. Daniel was so straight. When they came in the house, he didn't hide. Most of us probably would have, when they heard the knock on the door, <laughs> we'd run and hide. Straighten up. We don't want the fellas catch us. Daniel said, listen, I have nothing to hide. This is who I am, and this is what I do. Our world needs Christian men and women who stand, who live, who demonstrate consistently what they believe, no matter what the arena. We need people who will not compromise their position, not compromise what they believe. Daniel took his stance. Daniel did not bend. Daniel did not kneel. Daniel did not submit. Daniel took his stand, and as a result, the text says that God was glorified. Every time these brothers took a stand, Scripture says that the king says, we will honor and we will glorify the great God of these men. When we take a stand in our position, God is glorified. That's what it's all about. It's not about our comfort, you know. It's not about what we want and what we believe and what we, we it's about the honor and the glory of God. We stand for God and God alone. And sometimes it's not always easy. Sad to say, we always assume that it's going to end up good. But if we look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and quickly we look at Hebrews, chapter 11, we realize as we read the story, it doesn't always work out as pretty as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't always read the story ending where they walk into the fiery furnace and the other guys get burned up and they're walking around. Everything's perfect. God's servants don't always win like that. The text says in, Daniel, in Hebrews chapter 11, And others had a, a trial of cruel mockings, Hebrews 11, 36. And scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they without us, should not be made perfect. Everybody did not make it out. Everybody did not go into the lion's den. Some died. Some were eaten alive. They suffered. But they stood. No matter what the consequence, no matter what the end result, they stood. Today we need men and women will stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Because the text continues on to say in verse 12, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 verse 1. We are to lay aside every weight and the sin which has so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down to the right hand of the throne of God. Let's consider him 
that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we should be wearied and faint in our minds. And just a reminder, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You may not have come to that point yet, but maybe someday we will. Maybe someday we will be like those saints in Asia who were laying down their lives for what they believe. And it costs them. But they're being consistent. People of integrity. People of God character. And the question is, what about you? What are you going to do? Where are you going to demonstrate this godly character? It always doesn't have to be something big, you know. It can be something simple. It can be at work. How do you demonstrate character at work? You come to work on time, and you leave on time. That's how you show integrity. How do you demonstrate integrity? We love our wives. We love our children. We submit to our husbands. People see integrity. How do we show integrity? We tell the truth even in the difficult situations. How do we show integrity? When we come through customs, we give the agent all of our receipts. All. I'll leave that one there. How do we show integrity? We obey the speed limit. How do we show integrity? We keep our mouths shut. And don't spread the gossip like everybody else. How do we show integrity? We don't participate in the off-color jokes next to the water cooler. How do we show integrity? When that program comes on with the funny language and the funny pictures, we cut it off. It doesn't have to be a fiery furnace. It doesn't have to be a lion's den. But every day, all the time, and in every situation, we as believers have an opportunity to demonstrate integrity, consistency, sincerity, wholeness in the face of the opposition, the trials and the challenges this world is going to throw at us every single day. We can get up and we can stand because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The question is left with you. The incredible saints gathered here at Calvary Bible Church. What will we do? What will we be known for? What will we be known as? People of integrity, consistency, sincerity, with no compromise, no pretense, no deception. We will be known as people that live what we preach for the honor and for the glory of our God. In Jesus' name, amen.